everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we are a happily married couple with four children, ages 10 and... 863. 8, 3. 10, 8, 6, 3. Yeah. And so this is your first time joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. Typically how this podcast flows is just given the nature of our lives. Uh, Molly and I um, don't spend a ton of time talking about deep introspective things. And so when the show comes around, she starts dropping stuff that she's been talking about. So most of the time, the conversations are fresh. They're completely unrehearsed. And we, I don't know, we hope you enjoy them, I guess. Yeah. Is that okay? It is okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. You want me to start off with something? So it's, I mean, it's hysterical. So you guys, so you guys know we were not able to get a afternoon uh, recording session in. So it's 10 o'clock at night. So we've got another late night session. Molly's, what do you, what do you, we don't normally uh, drink adult beverages while we're doing the show, but this. Somebody left a Red Lodge Ales Bruno's Montana IPA. It has a picture of a bear and honey on it. And it's quite delicious. What are you enjoying this evening? Uh, this is bourbon cream. Mm. I like it. Just good. It's kind of like, ba- like Bailey's, only made with bourbon instead of whiskey. Nice. Nice. Just a little I bit. I looked for at that. I thought cap. about that. We're, we're quite... Well, I took the last of it. Yeah. Our liquor cabinet's quite empty, mainly because I took the last of whatever we had. We've been trying... Well, Molly, we've been gone so much. We took the last of what we had up to the cabin and then just have it bothered to restock because it's not a high-priority item. Right. So anyway, and the cat's in here. Hopefully she doesn't she climb. Is. She, she wants already, to get she up. She already wants out. But I just posted a picture on Instagram. She was sitting in my chair and uh, it was Luna. Cute. Luna is here. We don't know where the kitten Speaking is. Cat. And if you wanted to follow us on Instagram, it's too busy to flush. At too busy to spelled out flush. Okay, do you want to start edifying or I wouldn't say potty humor, potty stuff. Oh, cat one's out. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, you know, let's I don't know. Go with go with your vibe, babe. My vibe. Okay. I'm <laughs> itching to to share this with you. I went down. Is, is itching the start of potty humor? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you have so, a rash. Um, I went down. No, but I have a lot of mosquito bites, actually. Speaking of rashes, I just started. I'm in, I'm in the Wing Feather Saga, book two, finally, on audiobook. And remember in book one, um, Tink was trying to hide something. And so the bookstore owner thought he had a rash. No, I don't remember that. He was trying to hide a book, a map, or a something. Map, that yeah, he had and taken. so he just he thought he had a rash, and so the bookstore was like, mm. so there was this whole undercurrent rash joke going on in the whole first book. Uh, um, sorry, I'm so no, trail. I I went down a rat a rabbit trail hole, giant hole last night of learning about parasites that human beings have in our systems and mm. apparently most human beings have a multitude of parasites and the byproducts that they give off cause a lot of issues that create autoimmune issues skin issues you're talking brain like fog insects issues. just crawling around like, inside of us not just insect like yeah insect like gross weird worms things like that um, so in it, anyway, like if you go down a rabbit hole, you can see all uh, it's, it's, how can one living organism, it's, it's the, that's the definition of a parasite living organism live inside another. Oh, they live in your living. gut. They can get into your bloodstream. Where do they, they come from? Brain. Do they crawl in they at night? They can live in your bladder. Where do they come from? So, so food, a lot of them come from the food we eat. They're in the food. Uh huh. Um, pretty oh. much any meat, you're bound to catch a parasite yeah, from meat. Yeah, you know, we eat a lot of elk. We eat a lot of There's meat. probably all sorts of stuff. Um, kids get a lot of parasites. Kids are the parasites. Well, I mean, they're always... so. <laughs> Sorry, so bad joke. You go to the bathroom, you touch stuff in the bathroom, and then kids, we have this problem, stick their hands in their mouths, right? Um, they're digging around in the dirt. There's worms in the dirt. I mean, I deworm Luna twice a year. Guys... Don't take your cat. If you can tell that your cat has tapeworms, 
don't take it to the vet. Buy the worming medicine on Amazon. For a cat, it's like, especially if you're sure it's tapeworm, which for a fluffy cat, it looks like there's little pieces of rice stuck to her butt, oh, like the skin, the this fur is on her so butt. Disgusting. It is disgusting. So anyway, um, for like for like sixteen dollars, you can get like four rounds of deworming stuff for a cat, and you just put it in a piece of tuna or something, and they gobble it up, and that's a fraction of the price of one visit to the vet, let alone the medicine that you would be paying the vet for. So. The more you know, I can even have Jr. link the warming medicine that I get for our cat. All our new listeners are on like, Amazon. Oh my word! Oh, no, no, what did no, no. I just turn it gets, on? It gets worse. It gets worse. Oh, this is great. This is the itching I'm part. Take another drink. <laughs> so, so apparently, if you take your child to the pediatrician and you mention that your child struggles with nightmares. And we have children with night terrors, or a child, although she hasn't had any for a long no, time now long that I think time. about it. It's kind of a blessed thing. Now she just, she started babbling in her sleep, which is also kind of disconcerting, but doesn't require a lot of intervention. So apparently, if you tell your pediatrician that your child has nightmares, one, that is supposed to trigger, you know, like amongst other possible things they're supposed to check to see if your kid has parasites because there is a worm that lives in that is common in kids because they get it from like sandboxes and then they share it with each other like at daycares and stuff and sticking their fingers in their mouths and it crawls out of their anus to lay eggs around the outside of the anus and that sensation when you're sleeping is like triggers nightmares <laughs> so, and then like another warning for for parents is that the kids' butt itches a lot, but that's not necessarily always a symptom. But nightmares can be a sign of a child having worms. I'm just I I I'm told not you even we, sure what I told we right I told now. you we could start with edifying or we could start with it's not really potty humor, but I it's very it very I, yeah interesting important information that the world needs to know. The world needs to know this. We all have parasites, and we all need to be mindful of symptoms of parasites because it it could be like arthritis symptoms, could be parasites. We, I don't know if you guys missed this on a previous episode, but we there was a book that we had up at the cabin for a while called What Your Poo Says About You, and it goes through stool samples and tells you like dietary conditions make you feel like all the different types of poo you would you would get and a listener wrote in and said oh man my wife and i met over, over that, that book. book and then they had like a sequel called what your pee says about me or something what like my that. pee says about me yeah <laughs> what your pee says about me <laughs> that would be weird <laughs> it's really yellow so that means you're making me angry right now um <laughs> oh, yes Warren. Their last name is Warren, but I can't remember their first names. The listeners who wrote in? Who met over the book. I love it. What your poo says about you. So, speaking of books... Funny. (laughs) um, (laughs) This book my mom gave me a while ago. It's I'm showing Jared a book now. It's called Tell God How You Feel. Helping Kids with Hard Emotions by Christina Fox. And JR probably wouldn't like it because it's very Jesus jukey in a way. Like the first one, though. I'm not a fan of Jesus jukey religion. But the first, our, Sorry, our kids, Jesus my mom, self help. My mom gave it to us, and it's it's actually not. It's great. Um, it the the first one. This is the reason my mom picked it up for us. It's a story about a scary thunderstorm and a girl who is terrified. And crawls into bed with her parents because of a thunderstorm. And dad reminds her that King David lived a lot of his life afraid of King Saul wanting to kill him. And then he reads Psalm 56 about when he's afraid, uh, he trusts, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. So, Lily has read this story multiple times, and I think that she finds it comforting because she's our one who is like to the point of shaking terrified of thunderstorms she yeah i think she's getting past a little bit she actually came up the other day and said dad 
See, did you notice I didn't get scared during the thunderstorm? I mean, she she's aware of it. She knows it. And she was acknowledging that she didn't get scared. Yeah, that was pretty cool. it is pretty cool. But I think that having there's uh, now I can't think of, there's a book series for kids on dealing with issues biblically that CCEF puts out. And there's one about a mouse named Sophie who hides under the covers because she's scared of something. And it has a couple of like anchoring Bible verses as well. But Lily was reading through this book and li- liked the story. I read it. I appreciated that she got comfort out of it. And then I started skimming the rest of the book. And it's like the next one is uh, a friend moves away. And this boy's really sad because his friend moved away. And, um, and what I appreciate about this story and then the next story, this is just, it's the brother of the girl who's afraid of the thunderstorms. And then the next story, uh, our, our thunderstorm girl gets rejected by her best friend. And her best friend is like, I have a new best friend now. And... She's like, well, what about this weekend? And she's like, I'm too busy to hang out with you this weekend. I'm hanging out with my new best friend. And so Mia, this little girl, goes home. And she's really sad. And her parents, what I loved about this particular story is her parents don't sugarcoat it. Like, oh, I'm sure she didn't mean it. Or I'm sure you misunderstood. Or I'm sure she's going to want to be best friends with you again tomorrow. Or maybe you all three can be best friends they take the rejection at face value because I don't know how old Mia is. Let's say Mia's eight, like Lily. Eight-year-old girls can be the worst. And then it just gets worse for quite a while. <laughs> Where I remember being in, particularly, actually, it does get worse. I remember being in fifth grade and being utterly baffled because I just, I didn't play the petty girl game well enough so I was the the ping pong ball or whatever you know the pool ball just bouncing back and forth getting rejected and kicked on by this set of girls and then this set of girls and some days I didn't have any friends uh, because they were all mad at me and I couldn't figure out why and then the next day they're all friends with me or some of them are friends with me or like some of them that were in a petty I, I don't even know what fifth grade girls fight about but there was one girl named becky whose mom of course it's a girl named becky right no offense to all the beckys out there <laughs> as long as it's not a karen right so so this girl named becky her her mom worked at the school and she like would observe the playground fights and then orchestrate sort of resolutions of them and I have a very clear memory of coming to school one day and being told that Becky's mom had taken this whole group of girls out to Little Caesars for pizza so that they could all be friends again and I was not included in that reconciliation and what was baffling to me was that it was Becky's mom who had orchestrated it who was not a petty childish fifth grade girl but was reinforcing her petty childish fifth grade girl daughter's petty childish fifth grade girl pettiness. Anyway, so I I appreciated when, not if, but when, we have three girls. Like, boys, boys can do some of this, but not nearly to the level I think that girls do. And we have three of them to deal with. We, boys... There's the joke that guys will have a disagreement that go punch each other in the nose and then they'll go have beers. Yeah. Right. Well, boy, I remember like all of my disagreements with boys were over girls. Mm. So not. So girls are still. Girls were still the causing it. (laughs) No, you can't blame. (laughs) You can't blame girls for that. Uh, So anyway, mom just leans into her daughter's pain and. Is like, you know, second day she gets home, face is red and blotchy from crying on the way home. And they don't even jump right to, well, Jesus is your friend. You don't need Stephanie or whatever her name is. Now I have to look up what her name was. Um, <laughs> Samantha. Okay. Didn't you? No, Emily. 
So she's like, they're not like, you don't need Emily. You've got Jesus. Jesus is enough, which would be terrible counsel and that's, loving on. That's the Jesus Juki Christianity stuff. That yeah. I hate. So, so this is not actually Jesus Juki because dad's like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Being rejected by a friend really hurts. Did you know that King David was rejected by friends? And so he talks about Psalm 55, if it were an enemy who taunted me, I could bear it, but it's my friend, my companion, my familiar friend. And that's what's Mm. so heartbreaking to David about um, dad says that kind of hurt feels worse than being hurt by someone who's not a friend. And then, and then they go to Jesus, but it's take your, take your pain to Jesus because he also knows what it feels like to be rejected by friends. And when he needed his friends the most, they ran away from him. And then she, then the girl asks her dad, why do people hurt one another so much? Why would my friend just decide that she doesn't like me one day? And he's like, well, sin. She's a sinner. You're a sinner. Mm. We need Jesus to rescue us from sin and to make us into new people who love God and love each other instead of hurting each other. So then they finally go to Jesus is the perfect friend who always loves us and will never reject us. But like there's a there's this whole middle step that I, as a parent reading this, find incredibly helpful to acknowledge that the Bible recognizes the pain of being rejected by a friend and validating that instead of trying to explain it away or immediately go to the, well, you don't need her. You just need Jesus. Sort of like if you get, you know, when our girls get right. dumped by their boyfriends, if they ever manage mm-hmm. to have boyfriends, um, you know, later They'll have on, boyfriends. At least will anyway. At least will go, you're my boyfriend. <laughs> he'll be like, okay. <laughs> or he'll run away from her in terror. <laughs> and she'll be like, no, come back here. You're um, my boyfriend today. <laughs> and then and then the final, the final prayer that they have is... Um, that Mia can forgive just as Jesus forgives her, um, that she'll be comforted in Jesus' love, even in her sadness, and that she, knowing the pain of having been rejected by a friend, would have open eyes to be a, a friend to other people who are also hurting. I'm down with all that. So, anyway, um, I'll have JR link this, you guys. Tell God How You Feel by Christina Fox. I've been very pleasantly surprised by uh, the stories of these two kids. I and I would like to give a public shout out to your mom. For we buying would, us we books would never, <laughs> She buys everything. Yeah. And so we would, every book that comes out, she buys. And we would never have the opportunity to um, review things Review like all this. these cool books, because we certainly wouldn't get them. Without so. Grandma Kitty. Yeah. And I do snarkily say she buys every book that comes out. And she kind of does, but I think it's great. <laughs> like, she, I say that in a loving way. Just well, appreciate not every book great. that comes out, but the ones that she thinks are going to be good and valuable. Right. That's a lot of them. Okay. It's pretty cool. Do you know what we would say? Here's another segue, and it doesn't have to do with itchy butts. Um, <laughs> here's another good. Do you know what we would say to our kids about, like, her friend rejecting her? <gasps> You know what I would say. People are weird and hard. Right? There's... It's our jam, you guys. It is. I have explained to several people the genesis of people are weird and hard lately because I've been hanging out at our local swim water park uh, with friends since that's what you do in the summer in Billings. You run into everybody you know there, it seems like, but... Uh, that's at our water park, you guys, is where people... I don't think we've ever explained the origin of it. The water we? park? Or people of, are weird of and hard? Pure, people are weird and hard. Um, I don't think people really care about the water park. Although, it's great. It's a, a local church. They're basically their outreach, community outreach thing, program yeah. created a water park in an area that uh, didn't have one. I don't, I don't know, but you might as well refresh so people anyway, since it's our jam. At the, at the water park, it's, it's been a number of years ago now, like three, four years ago... I bumped into some gals that I thought would create space. I thought would be my friends. Well, sorry. I mean, it's the kind of thing that Sam's going to punch me in the head for. <laughs> no, he's not. Uh, I I thought that they would create space in their conversation for me to like spread my towel out next to them while my kids went and played in the water, and instead they literally both turned their backs to me. And continued a an obviously private conversation, which is fine. It's fine to have private conversations, but 
they, neither of them ever acknowledged me the entire time I was at the water park. And I wasn't best friends with them, but I was strong enough acquaintances that it surprised me and took me aback. And my text to JR uh, in trying to process, like, I what, what just happened here was that people are weird and hard. And interestingly, Titus had the same experience that same day with a couple of boys from our church. Their boys. Yeah, their boys. I wasn't necessarily going to pin that on them, but oh. you know. Anyway, so it was. We won't say who it is on the show. I don't think they listen to the show. But yeah. We anyway, so it was. It and so. For those of you from our church, it was one of you. You can guess. <laughs> no, no. I what what I what I've sort of as I've been explaining to people. You know, it was right here on this very grounds that we started saying people are weird and hard is I was actually thinking thinking thoughts this morning and I wrote some stuff down uh, because remember we put people are weird and hard on our Instagram a while ago and somebody kind of Jesus juked us on it like, oh, how dare you say that about somebody made in God's image? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, which I, I, I read that and I was like. We can't be friends. Well, I mean, but but I feel like it actually does the opposite for us, that it gives us this baseline understanding of human nature, which is that we are, are, are everything about our lives is complicated by being sinners who are living life in a fallen world. And so who we are, our own emotions how we interact with other people, how we interpret interacting with other people. Like, just one of the people are weird and hard comments that I made just the other day was I was talking to a friend and she's like, well, you know, this mutual friend of ours, she, I've texted her several times and she's never texted me back. You know, on an iPhone, you know when they get it, right? So she's like, I know she's reading my texts immediately. And, um, you know, and I was like, I don't know, I'm terrible at texting back. You know, and I found a graphic right after that was like all the reasons that somebody may not be texting you back. And among those is they may not like you anymore. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but that's the one we all jump to, right? Like when you text another mom to ask if she, you know, her kids can have a play date with your kids and she doesn't respond, you know, you immediately wonder, you know, what did I do that she doesn't want her kids hanging out with my kids anymore? But so for me, instead of festering over these puzzling, genuinely puzzling interactions, I have this fast and easy explanation. Well, you're one of the weird and hard, just like all of us are, right? I, I mean, I love how you say that because the exact same thing happens to me. And I never realized, I never recognized this until recently. Um, but it's the same reaction. I'll have weird interactions with people and I'm kind of like, people are weird and hard and immediately thinking of myself first. I remember I was texting you about a conversation with a text with somebody else, a texturing with somebody else where I was like, I just, this particular person kind of frustrates me and just kind of cracks me up all at the same time. Like it's just, it's, and you were like, he probably thinks the same. You, I made a comment about something. And he's like, he probably thinks the same about you. <laughs> about, you know, and I was like, fair. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, you have those weird interactions and I'm like, people are weird and hard. And I think I just said that at lunch today with a friend. I was like, people are weird and hard, you know? And it, <laughs> I'm never like, it's not magic. But when I say that, I'm reminded of myself and my own sinfulness and weirdness and hardness. And all of a sudden it's like, it's a non-issue. It's yeah. just, it becomes a non-issue you, there. You don't necessarily... Like, in some ways, the... Like, the bumpiness of all of who they are and who you are and relational challenges that result just kind of... And for me, anyway, kind of get smoothed out because I don't spend all this time trying to figure things out that are not figurable out. Out figure outable figure outable no it's true and then i'm not able to figure out and if you do invest time in that particular person on whatever level you choose to do that it's kind of like being married you know we get we choose every day we choose to overlook 
video signatures. Countless. <laughs> we talked about this last time. I I've know. got lots. Just, You've got none. We get it. Okay. <laughs> the listeners get it. Let's, let's move on. Drop it. You're just not keeping score. <laughs> no, because I'm not a woman. I don't. I don't do petty fifth grade year olds fifth grade stuff. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, you you constantly choose to overlook idiosyncrasies, and then with other people, like we hold them to some sort of different standard. Like, I'm just not going to choose to overlook that one, or I'm not going to choose. And I, well, I, don't, I think that some of that comes with wisdom. Some of it comes with, maturity. I mean, you're not, and you're not married to that person, so it's not like, like there's there are legit people in my life that I'm like, I do not have the emotional capacity or the space. For your drama. Just doesn't exist. Drama is different than weird and hard. Uh, some me. people are weird and, and well that's right. Some people bring <clears throat> drama with their weird and weird hard. With their heart, and that's kinda of where I'm going. Like I just yeah. like I don't have to enough me, weird capacity like, in my life for your weird and hard. To me, weird and hard is like a baseline level of okay. all humanity. <laughs> And yes, so, and we all have different weird and hard. Well, I'm, right, and, and you're I'm, choosing yes. which weird. You're choosing and hard which weird hard you want to deal. And there's some in. that I'm just like I don't have the capacity for yeah. your particular brand of which is weird. And which hard. is recognizing that we live in a fallen world, and in a glorified world, we we won't have the relational challenges with other. Other image bearers who, even more than that, are brothers and sisters in Christ, who've been redeemed, who are new creations, who are on the same path towards glory that we are. But I guess I'm I'm very much a realist in the present and believer in the present power of sin, despite Christ's conquering it. That that. Not all relationships here on earth amongst sinners are going to be peachy and smooth. And so we don't have to linger in guilt and shame if we can't get along with everybody. Or or feel like or rejoice they have to in be, laboring like, alongside. Every relationship in our world has to be peachy and smooth. Like, it's not going to happen. Or that we have to like and get along with everyone. Like, I mean, even the Apostle Paul split with... With Barnabas, because Barnabas wanted to take, who is it, John Mark, and Mark had flaked out, and Paul was like, I'm not taking him with me again. Yeah. Like, that's not a weird and hard, I want to go on a missionary journey with. Like, I want somebody I can count on. So they had this not super peachy split, and they went, you know, they got double, you know, I got a twofer. We got two missionary journeys <laughs> for the price of one, where they all would have been traveling together. And that's God working in our fallenness. Not that we should seek splits like that, but we have to recognize that, you know, if, I mean, not that Paul seemed like a particularly easy person to get along with, but if Paul couldn't get along with Barnabas, um, it's okay for us to say, you do you in the kingdom and I will cheer you on from a distance. I'm... (laughs) I'm, re- my, I'm I'm thinking of three things right now. The first is, so if we don't get along with our session, it's totally fine. We just go off and do our own thing. You do you. We'll do us. <laughs> I mean, All good. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, the second is, I feel I, like maybe I remember, you should edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, or even like last week, pick the day, I was wandering around really frustrated about, I don't know, losing my keys again, or... Something broke or it was just, it was one of those weeks where it just felt like everything was going wrong. And I remember asking you, just not really asking you, I was just kind of venting like, why Molly, what am I doing? Why is God so angry with me or something like that? Just kind of a little bit snarky, but at the same time, it's like a lot of things in my, one of my own personal struggles is always wondering if, you know, if if, if God's punishing me for something. Um, or rewarding me for something, or vice versa. I was just saying, you thinking that God's always punishing you is elder brother. It's elder brother, yeah, hundred percent. Because you, know. you think that you deserve good, or you deserve based bad. on yeah. So, and I just remember you going, or we live in a fallen world, and I thought, hmm, and then and also we buy a lot of tiles, the little. Although I think I'm gonna switch things. to Apple because Tile wants to share all my Wi-Fi data. Anyway, we we buy tracking devices 
for JR's water bottle, for his headphones, for his wallet, my for his keys, my keys, for his sunglasses case. <laughs> And every now and then we're like, well, we need some more for X, it's, Y, or Z. It's, it's, it's the classic. So I remember we were out on this mountain biking trip with a buddy of mine and his son. And we were getting ready. All right, let's get ready to go. And I thought I was ready to go. And there was like a million things I still needed to do to get out. There. And anyway, they're like kind of wait, waiting for me. And I'm like, welcome to, welcome to me. Welcome to my world. Oh, I've got like four more things that I forgot about. Oh, and then you get in the car like, oh, wait, I left that on the hood. Oh, wait, I forgot to close that. Oh, I need to grab that out of the bag. Oh, I need, you know, just constant. And then I'm also reminded of of, um, a sermon, a talk we heard, you and I heard years and years ago. And I don't think the audio, I have the audio available anymore. But God's Mercy in My Marriage. God's Mercy in My Marriage. It's on YouTube. By Jay Harvey. Oh, perfect. We've referenced it multiple times. We've referenced it multiple times. I didn't know it was on YouTube. So I remember watching that, and it was just, it illustrated, Jay Harvey, Pastor Harvey illustrated this concept so incredibly well that just, there's so much brokenness and fallenness in the world that we just, we don't have to bring a lot, we don't have to blatantly sin to need mercy from other people. Yeah. You know, just living in this world, just being who we are, just doing what we do, we need to continue to show mercy to other people. And I know we link his book, uh, When Sinners Say I Do, in, which is also a great book in our uh, swag shop. But um, that was such a great... Um, the reason I know that we've referenced this multiple times is because the first time Hannah contacted us and she was like, I'm newly married and da, 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 I have a you know honeymoon baby. And I was like, oh, then you need to listen to this. And she's like... I already listened to it from you referencing it before. And I was like, okay, oh, okay. I, we can't I reference can't, it enough. I you can't guys. keep track of what when, I. Right after talk we heard about, it, but... Molly and I were newlyweds. Right after we heard it, we sent it uh, to every newlywed that we knew of that was getting married. And we so used to re listen to it like once a year yeah. for the refresher. We should re listen to it again in our. In our sprinter van on an adventure. And the kids Ooh, would be like, right. what? Right. We got to finish Narnia first. Yeah. You guys, so we did... Um, where were we going with the, when we did that m- massive Narnia binge? That was California. Yeah, we came back from California and we blew through like three Narnia books. <laughs> it's pretty rad. Yeah. And then I, we've tried to carry on and the kids are like, I'd rather be on my Kindle. Well, I want to know how Voyage of the Dawn Treader Well, ends. when we're not road tripping i think you know they kind of want to save it for road trip stuff well except titus finished it on your biking trip in written format i might just finish it or force the kids i keep thinking i'm gonna force the kids to do quiet time and sit and listen to audiobooks and even here at home our lives feel so crazy that we haven't really had time to sit down you guys this summer's nuts it's just wacky it feels so very stereotypically american to say How's your summer going? Oh, it's so busy. And we're not even doing all sorts of... No, um, we're trying to stay not busy. So I quit. Um, I quit doing my contract work for the church. So that left a, a gigantic hole, partially because for a variety of reasons, but mostly because I, I was stuff that I feel like needs to be a priority was the higher priority things were dropping. So for instance, helping your dad up at the cabin, doing all the spraying, you know, that's that's kind of a crazy priority. I had some other things that I needed to do. And it was just, so I'm up at the cabin. I'm planning to be up at the cabin for like the next two weeks. It's just nuts. But then August, maybe we'll slow down. I don't know. But then we have the big camping, another big camping trip in July. And I'm trying to get these trailers done and out the door. And, and we lose some income. So now I can't buy for, parts. And it's like, uh, I, just I need to sign the kids up for swim lessons in August. Swim lessons. See, there's just, it's, guys, it never stops. It never stops. It's just un. It's a never-ending march. Just the sun comes. Time marches on. The sun comes and the sun sets. And you get Ecclesiastes. And what is the what? What should you do with all of this marching on? You should. Oh, wow, you guys, Ecclesiastes. What have I been quoting like crazy recently? Where's my eighteen through twenty? I don't remember now. Something eighteen through twenty. Um. What should you do with the toil and labor? You should eat, drink, and enjoy it. And it's a blessing if you're doing a toil that you can enjoy. Like, it's such, it's like my life theme verse this year. 
Um, I sent it to you via text. I've sent that text to so many different people. I don't have any of my devices here with me. It's Ecclesiastes 2.24. There's nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Right. That's not the one I'm referring to. I'm referring to another one later in the book, like 6, 18 through 20, maybe. Anyway, yeah, that's all I got. wonderful passage. I'll maybe just throw it up in the show notes if I look it up eventually. But yeah, I mean... If you can enjoy... Uh, Ecclesiastes 9, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. <laughs> that one? Working on that one, too. Whatever your There's hand so finds much... to do, work at it with all your might. You know what? I'm doing that one, too. There's so much great... So, if I don't... You know, a lot of people don't have our lives. Meaning, um, we live primarily on passive income, but enough of responsibilities with that passive income that I can't really justify getting a normal nine to five um so that also leaves us plenty of other opportunities that come and go i've never been god's never not provided me some work he's never not provided me something to do um but there's just like point being when you live in an uncertain life like when i wake up tomorrow i have kind of a general idea of what i'm gonna do but i could get a phone call i could get a text i something i don't i don't know um when it's a little bit unpredictable like that, I rely personally, I, I lean really heavily on those passages to live, you know, just the day-to-day life. You know, be anxious for nothing, for tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Um, there's a couple, there's, there's another one that's not coming to mind right now. But what is God asking me to do? He's asking me to do what I need to do today. What do I have on my plate today? Is he giving me anything new today? No. Uh, so what am I doing? And do that with all your might, you know? I don't, you know, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know where I'm going to go. But it's like, I lean really heavily on those verses in kind mm. of my particular... Very uh, strange life. Very strange, very up and down life. A lot of people can, couldn't handle it. They need the predictability of the 9 to 5. They need to know what their day is going to look like. And that sounded really arrogant. Did well, it really? Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people couldn't handle being I, me. Sorry, the no, awesome life no, no, that no, no. That's not what I'm trying. Oh, man. <laughs> no, I, I, I am a predictability. I meant yeah, Molly's the total opposite. I meant to say I've had friends tell me that my life sounds absolutely horrible to them because it's they're too like, chaotic. no way in the world that sounds terrible, and said they would just shrivel up and die if they had to do that. But I'm the opposite. I shrivel up and die if I have to do the same thing every day. I didn't mean for it to come out arrogant. Sorry, guys. People are weird and hard and have mercy. <sighs> so, on our way out of the cabin on Tuesday, we... I'm trying to think what... Monday night, I took Elise. Was it Elise that I took on a four-wheeler ride? No. You guys were out fishing, and I took Faith on a four-wheeler ride. And saw this big herd of elk really close to the cabin which was pretty cool and i veered off and was looking at wildflowers with faith and stuff and thought that i would see you guys as you were coming back from fishing but you took a loop and missed me and you saw even more elk than i did in the same spot and then they all ran away and when we were then driving out you know that's where the elk were and then we saw one elk bounding across a field and then couple miles further down the road there was a moose really close to the road and we were remarking to each other how my dad was behind us driving some friends out on the bat on whose car wouldn't handle the bad road and he's how my dad's 70 right yeah he's even 70 until his birthday in the fall and he's been hunting and seeing elk for his entire life. He learned to, he grew up elk hunting with his dad. Uh, he has been hunting at this cabin for 28 years. And I can't remember, or what did he say? He told, he told Marshall's girlfriend the number. And I can't, it was something like 28 elk in 26 years or 26 elk in 28 years or something like that. Like he's hunted an insane number of elk and has seen even more giant herds of them over all of our time of being there. You guys see moose all the time up there. I don't quite as much. And yet, what do we do when we see the elk? We stop. We take pictures. We <laughs> ooh and we ah. You know, my 70-year-old dad, 
he so what what's fascinating to me and what prompted a conversation that we actually had uh this isn't a fresh conversation with us now necessarily but we were both remarking at how how the more we see things like elk and moose or signs of elk now or you know like there aren't cows in in this part of the land that we drive across yet. yet. Well, no. So what I'm saying is it's very clear in the road if it's been muddy and it rained on the 4th. It rained on Sunday. And so on Monday, the roads were muddy and it was very obvious where no cars had driven. Elk had walked across the road right here. Or deer. Deer and elk hooves are very, very different sizes. You guys, elk are way bigger than deer. <laughs> and so it's very, I'm just, what I'm saying is. You get is, confused. Like if you were seeing a cow footprint, like an elk is narrower, but still very, but very, very big like a cow. similar size. Yeah. And a moose a is like a really is like a huge freaking snowshoe. Elk. <laughs> it's um, like, is that, an, is that a bull elk or is that a moose? <laughs> and so, so, I mean, we saw elk footprints in the road all over the place, deer footprints, coyote poop that these orange butterflies were strangely obsessed with. And what what got us thinking about the spiritual analogy is when we train our hearts to enjoy beauty and we actually partake of and enjoy that beauty... We don't get our fill of seeing elk in the wild and then we're done. It's not like, well, I've seen a moose out here once. I'm good. You strain your eyes. Like where we saw that moose, we have seen moose right there in that very gully before. Mm -hmm. So every time we come around that little corner, we're like, will there be a moose here this time? Well, and where the elk were. We've seen hundreds of elk there before. Right. So you, you train your eyes rather than saw elk there once don't need to look there again we train our eyes and we're straining our eyes to see this this wonderful fascinating thing that brings our hearts joy that god has made in and we do it the more the more we taste of what is good the more we desire what is good and so same thing with good food and the same thing with bad food like did you know that people say that Taco John's, Taco Bell's taco sauce actually has addictive ingredients oh, in it's it? it's delicious. No, but it actually has addictive ingredients yeah, in the taco delicious. sauce. It's not why it's, it's not, it's why you think it's delicious. <laughs> and it's why you go back for more. I actually had, uh, my college roommate, her mom was a pharmacist. Is it spreading FUD or is this like legit? Like, is this just an internet something other? This, I, this is almost in the days before the internet. Okay. Did we? We barely had the internet in my early college days. It like we had AOL and Yahoo um, email. But my college roommate's mom was a pharmacist, and she claimed that there was something addictive in Taco Bell taco sauce packets. I'm going to blame that. Her name was Maggie. I'm going to blame it on Maggie, not the roommate. The roommate's mom. <laughs> Um, it's also you made a comment too that it's also the same with like church. The more we train ourselves to go to church and appreciate the things of a spiritual nature, the more it, the more it shapes our hearts. And I remember saying that on when we saw the first group of elk earlier in the week, where or the previous day we were driving up to, um, we were driving up to shoot some marmots, some woodchucks. They're gigantic rodents and they're awful. So. We were driving up to go see if we could shoot a couple and maybe see some elk. And we came up around the corner and we look up and I was like, oh, elk, guys. And there was oh, probably a couple hundred, like on the far, you know, about a long ways away on, on the far hill. But you can kind of see them. And so we pulled out our binoculars and we're glassing. I'm like, that's so cool. And I remember just like every time I see them, like, that's just so cool. Like, I mm. love just seeing the elk. And I said, you know, it, it's one of those weird things. Like, the more I see them the more the cooler they become mm-hmm. the more in just incredibly neat because some of our become. people who friends who are like live in a city on the east coast probably are like yeah go by elk i see them on the nature channel um but there's something really special yeah to us about seeing them in person and especially knowing how rare it is to see in the wild a group of like it's actually not, see that's the funny thing like if we drive through Yellowstone 
it's not really that special to see elk there. No. Yeah, I mean, sorry. it's cool. Yeah. Sorry to all the tourists. It's cool, but... It's cool, but it's not it's that special because you know that when you drive practically through... practically raised. Mammoth, like, you know. The yeah, there. it's it's almost like driving through a herd of cows. Like, they're just... Yeah. They're so used to people. They're just munching grass on the lawn. And they're... I mean, some of the the racks on... That's what you call the antlers on an elk. The racks. Um, <laughs> some of the racks on them are just incredibly impressive but they're only incredibly impressive because you can't hunt them in Yellowstone. And it's almost like they know that. Yes and no. I mean, bulls, if you've ever tried to hunt a bull, they're they're wily. They don't right. get that that's big without it, getting really smart. That's why they're super impressive in the wild. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is they're only yeah. they're only impressive because they're so big in in Yellowstone, but but they're way more impressive in the wild. There was a guy, so, you know, obviously up at the cabin we hunt and we have lots of hunting magazines. And I don't remember which. It might have been an R-A-M, RMEF's Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's magazine. But one of the guys wrote in a story of uh, an early on when he was a kid. He was kind of being, a pre- being apprenticed by an old family friend who would take him out hunting elk. And he'd been hunting all season and not seeing anything, not finding anything. And the last, one of the last mornings they were going hunting, they take the pickup, drive down this old dirt road, come around a corner, and there's just a big herd crossing the road. And they stop. The, 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 the older gentleman stops, turns off his truck, takes a sip of coffee. And the, the guy writing the article, the apprentice, is like, what are we doing? Let's get our guns. Let's get out and get them. And he's like, well, oh, now, wait a minute. That's pretty cool. I'm just going to take this in. And the whole point was, you know, the hunting is not necessarily about harvesting an animal. It's about being out there with them. It's participating in an ecological life cycle with these animals. And how special and unique just seeing an elk is. Mm. You know, there's... There's been plenty of opportunities for me to take a shot, but either I'm just like, I'd rather just sit here and watch them, you know? Um, most of the time, it's not a clean shot, but there have been moments where it's like, this is rad. I just want to sit and watch. And that's why, particularly in our area, uh, we get a lot of bow hunters, and the bow hunters come out because they can get within 40, 50, 60 yards not of the Not because they're going to kill something. It's incredibly hard. never kill something. Yeah, it's incredibly hard to kill something. But the guys don't, the, the, what keeps the guys coming out, if you were just going out to bow hunt to get something, you would never, ever hunt. You but that's not go, why you, you go, go out, out there. <laughs> They're all like, the action, the incredible, like there's elk everywhere every day. You're in the middle of them. And he's like, that's what they love about being out there is the fact, is not that they have the opportunity to, you know, bag this really huge bull but it's the fact that they're out there in the middle of the elk. And I remember the, one of my first times up at your dad's cabin, one of my first times opening. So we go in in late May, early June, sometimes early May, and open the cabin. And I remember we went out one night. The roads are usually really bad, which sometimes we can't even get in. But we went out one night, and I was on a four-wheeler. A couple of the guys were on. Uh, Jim, your dad, one of your dad's buddies, side-by-sides. And that's where I made the joke about Jim, Jim, and I, you know. Mm. Um <clears throat> Driving down the plane, Jim, Jim, and I, Jim, Jim, and I. Because there were two gyms. There were two gyms. So anyway, I was on this four-wheeler, and we came up, came up over a hill, and all of a sudden, we're literally in the middle of the herd. And we just cruise along at 10, 15 miles an hour, and they cruise along. It was the craziest experience ever. I look over, and there's an elk running, running alongside, alongside me. <laughs> you know, I could reach out and touch it. But there's not just one. There's like 70. <laughs> and you're like in the middle of this herd going, this is incredible. Um, it's just, you know, seeing, you never get tired of seeing uh, seeing wildlife like that. Like, and I also, I also, our original point was, right. was you, the more you see, the more you the enjoy more you appreciate. and appreciate. Yeah. And I think the same is true with spiritual things, that we hone our tastes into what is beautiful and good and then you know when when we say our cup overflows and you think about 
you know, as a little kid, you think about sitting on a cloud in heaven with a harp, and it seems incredibly boring and tedious, and heaven does not seem like a place you want to go. And then you realize that heaven is all of the good tastes that we've cultivated in taste and see that the Lord is good, and enjoying the goodness of the Lord perfectly in a perfect heavens and earth. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really intrigued and attracted to the idea of a perfect earth where everything is as God intended, God intended it, to be it to be in the garden, unbroken from sin. That, to me, is, I mean, you're just perfectly fulfilled with whatever you do, like, essentially. I mean, God mm-hmm. gave Adam a specific task, but you just, it's just, you know, it's it sounds fantastic for the most part. Yes. I could go down another rabbit trail with that, but nah. I'm not going to. We're at to. almost an hour. Yeah. No, I just wanted to tell you... Um, how much you love me? That's not... I do love you. I have you. a spectacular mustache. Um, mustache. You don't get compliments on your mustache right now. Only from you? guys. Not right now. You don't. No, it's, it's not still a like short. That. It's not like it was when I no, shaved it. No, what I was gonna tell you is twice in the last, like, three days, I've gotten encouragement in me in how I have encouraged people to cultivate enjoyment of scripture and you guys know by now, if you've been listening for any length of time, that I'm a huge fan of the Bible reading challenge that I do. And um, I have a Facebook group that's always giving exhortations. So this morning, there was a video yesterday. I don't know. There was a video of Rachel Jankovic, who is Douglas Wilson's daughter. And she is just exhorting people, don't let guilt and shame of... I haven't read the Bible perfectly. I can't keep up with the reading plan. Don't let that keep you away. Just jump in and appreciate what you're doing now, what you're getting from the Lord now, and understand where do guilt and shame come from? They don't come from the Lord. The Lord is not guilting you for not being perfect in your in your Bible reading. It's your own internal standards, and it's Satan setting up roadblocks so that you're not drawing near to the Lord in receiving a primary way that he's given you to grow. So I shared this video and somebody that I did not expect to uh, find great encouragement from it was like, this was really encouraging. Because I said, with sharing the video, I said, I've I've been struggling to, to be consistent in my time in the Word. So I'm usually like, I don't know, not, I'm trying to think of a fraction. <laughs> like, it's more than... It's more than one day out of three, but it's less than two days out of three that I'm keeping up with my... So I'm usually a couple days behind, and I do, like, the Book of Luke in three parts instead of five chapters at a time sort of thing. So I'm not even remotely as consistent as I would like to be. And during the school year, there would be a catch-up day in the plan, because one of the awesome things about my plan is there's catch-up days, and we get Sundays off. And I'd be like, I don't need the catch-up day. I'm going to do the optional reading, read the whole book of Galatians on my catch-up day. And just this last week, I was like, okay, the book of James is catch-up day. Skip all of that. (laughs) So, and I just appreciated the encouragement from this video this morning to don't feel guilty. Just jump in and do what you can now. And then I have another friend who had, I must have shared about it. I don't think she listens to our podcast, but I must have shared about it on Facebook and Instagram back in January when they were, the reading plan starts in the fall. So if you're interested, I can get you hooked up with what I do on my reading plan. But in January, you know, new you, new year. So uh, I had a friend contact me and say, what's this reading plan that you do? I, I need to get back into reading the Bible. And there's, I told her a couple of options. And there's one that I had listened to that a friend of mine who lives in Bozeman is doing. And this gal, I think it's called the Bible Recap Project. This gal actually did like a seven-minute podcast, super researched from what I could tell, from what little I listened to, on every single daily reading that she and her team came up with. So 
I mean, how many times you wow. just read something this weekend and you were like, hey, Bill, what do you think about this? And Bill's like, I'm not just going to spitball with that. Did he? Some random Old Testament. Was, no, no, no. You don't have to go right. into it. But, you know, so. <laughs> it was super wild. Though, so she. So how many times in your reading do you come away with like, what on earth was Jesus doing here? And or why do you think Paul said that? And she tried to do a really well-rounded ecumenical you know, so here would be like the three main takes on why why Paul said this. And, you know, here's the main gist of the passages that we read. And so anyway, the Bible recap project seems like a great option too. And this friend of mine uh, tagged me on a post saying that she was celebrating having done a hundred days straight of Bible reading. And she was she's like, I never dreamed that I would be capable of this. But once I got going, it just got easier. It's the it's the taste and see, you know, once you start enjoying elk in the wild, mm-hmm. you enjoy them more. Once you start enjoying the goodness of the Word of God in your everyday life, you enjoy it more and more. And the habit, except in summer. <laughs> and because, again, we live in a, in a fallen world where habits towards sanctification seem to always suffer setbacks because we're never on this, you know, downhill coast into sanctification. I wonder if it's harder, random thought, I wonder if it's harder for people like us who live in Montana and have a very limited, seemingly very limited summer season. You know, it's not like people in California who are just as nice all the time. So well, it's like us, we have I mean, limited time to play outside. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the, the chaos of we're going here and we're going there and the lack of consistency in a schedule with my kids. So I find that I'm going to bed later in this. I haven't gone to bed early since our California trip. And so then I wake up tired and the ki- I wake up and I don't have a set deadline to start the school day, which means a, de- a set deadline yeah. to have breakfast done. And so I don't just, you know, wake up and drink my coffee and do my Bible reading because I don't know, it's just more chaotic. And so, the lack of schedule is what has made it hard for me to be consistent. It's not just lack of schedule. It's a lack of discipline writ large, uh, if I'm being honest. Well, send me the link to the video and I'll include it in the show notes. Okay. It was on Facebook. I'll have to see if I can dig it up somewhere else. Uh, Facebook makes it a pain. Well, uh, they might have it somewhere else. Yeah, they might. All right, guys. um, About an hour. I should probably wrap it up. Molly and I can go to bed at 11 o'clock at night. Get up and do our Bible We're up late, you guys, to hang out with you. Um, speaking of you, we would love to hear from you. We do get a lot of comments um, and feedback um, pretty consistently throughout the week. Um, you can email us at uh, tb2f, the number 2f, at pmpapamike.me. You can send us a text. Send me a text, and I'll relay it on to Molly at 318... No, sorry, 406-318-7136. Or you can send us a postcard on our website. Uh, any one of those, um, you can reach out to us, um, and we would love to hear from you. Hear your thoughts. Did you disagree with us? Agree with us? Did you? Did it spark something else interesting in your life? Did you know? You know what, what's going on in your world? Um, our world's kind of the same as it was. Listen back to the last week's episode. You know, kind of know what we've still. Nothing's really changed. Still working on trailers and running around um other than that we do have at our website www.toobusytoflush.com or tb2f.com you can find a link to all of our shows uh, all of our episodes you can find a blog we only ever post show stuff to but occasionally Molly posts a recipe and of course our swag shack where you can get all of the cool people are weird and hard stuff that you could ever possibly want it's great you need to show the world how you really feel and even if the people weird and heart shirt is left justified um <laughs> Addie. you can still get it but my I favorite's the coffee mugs i found guilt and perfectionism in bible reading i'm gonna send it to you now okay cool send it to me now i don't know that i'm gonna stay up much later and post the show so i'm, I'm gonna, gonna send it to you i'm saying that out loud yeah. so people know that if they want to yep. watch the video yep. they can okay. find it in the show notes great I'm going to post the show tomorrow because <laughs> I'm kind of tired. That's fine. And then I'll go work on uh, work on trailers as the show posts and renders and or not renders, exports and does all of its 
fancy audio thing. All of the magic the rest of us don't need to know about, right? It's all right. You guys haven't spent any time in my studio. Kind of sad, but such is life. Um, I guess that's it. So thanks for spending time with us. Yeah. Thanks for spending time. And we'll talk to you again next week. All right. See you.